Welcome to episode three of the Serial Killers Kitchen podcast. I am your host, Serial Killer Chris, and today we have two special guests in the studio. They are unarguably two of the best professional athletes to ever come out of Las Vegas. They have spent time playing overseas and in the WNBA. They are both graduates of Mojave High School in North Las Vegas, and they also coach their own AAU basketball program. Welcome to the show, Sequoia Holmes and Chelsea Hopkins. Thanks, Thanks for having us, Chris. Guys, thanks for thanks for coming. I really appreciate your time. And let's get right into it. What are the top three best cereals of all time? Chelsea? You go first because we're <laughs> gonna boo you. I think the, the fans are gonna like my picks. You go first. Bro, number one. <laughs> okay. Raisin Brand Crunch oh my is my number one <laughs> best cereal. Like okay. better than everything better ever created. Th- if I had to like what are you craving for cereal right now? That's going to be it 10 times out of 10. I have a question, though. Well, why did you get Waffle Crisp? Today, I got Waffle Crisp because I don't want to mix anything with this greatness. <laughs> I don't want to mess it up at all. So I wanted to kind of mix today. I feel it. I right. feel it. Number two, um, I'm going to go with Captain Crunch Berries. Captain Crunch Berries is number two. Decent. That's that's Decent. classic. Um, and Cocoa Puffs, number three, with Reese's Puffs as a three. Honorable a. mention. Yeah, with a three A. All right. Uh, I'm gonna grade that like a three out of ten, but that's none of my business. <laughs> that's terrible, but what? It's personal. So. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's my choice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> my top three. Great job, Sequoia. Now let me get the real top three. Let me see. I want to see. Well, Chelsea's a child, so she's going <laughs> to pick. No, I'm not. Okay, well, first of all, the most goaty cereal here is right behind your head. And Cinnamon Toast Crunch is number one. It's the choice of me. It's the choice of the people. And that is clearly number one. And number two, I don't see it, and it's not close to me, but okay. Well, number two is Apple Jacks. Surely. Okay. That, was, that was in my top five, but it's slowly but surely made its way out. Apple Jacks just never disappoints, never fails. And then because you like to appeal to the older crowd, so call it <laughs> with Raisin Bran. Crunch. I will. I said Raisin Bran okay, Crunch. There's so a difference. I will. There's a know, huge difference. I will, you know, add a little something for, you know, the older people. And I will say I will counter with Honey Bunches of Oats as my third. All right. That's solid. So you get a, you already start out off at a seven because okay. you said Cinnamon Toast Crunch, thank but you, you. your other two choices. So you're about a seven and a half, eight hey, out of ten. Right. Getting there, though. My thing is with cereal that is a ring with a hole, I'm missing some of my cereal. Like, <laughs> there's pieces of the cereal missing here. Like, So yeah, no Fruit no. Loops for you? No, I'm cool. All right, we're going to play. I want a, solid cereal. <laughs> <laughs> and that have crunch and raisins. Mm-hmm. That's You grew up with your grandparents, huh? No. No? Oh, I that's didn't. a shocker. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's play this game that we call This or That. I'm going to tell you guys two cereals, and you have to pick which one is better. And right. if you haven't had it, just go ahead and guess. Okay. All right. Cocoa Pebbles or Cocoa Puffs? Cocoa Puffs. Ugh, I want to say pass, but Girl, I'm going to say. soggy cereal, if you pick that soggy cereal. Okay, I'm going to do Cocoa Puffs because that's what Sequoia says. <laughs> but passable if I have to really choose. <laughs> Uh, Fruit Loops or Tricks? Tricks. I told you about the whole. No, just give me Fruit Loops. Tricks. Reese's Puffs or Peanut Butter Captain Crunch? Reese's Puffs. Mm -hmm. Peanut Butter Captain Crunch. 
So if you hate my cereal, why are the questions <laughs> asking about my cereals? <laughs> now this this was I had made this question like because we always pick like a really nasty mixture oh, at the end, yes. but okay. the, the nasty mixture is one of her favorites. <laughs> so it was Wheaties or Raisin Bran, not the Crunch. Wheaties. Mm. And Frosted. They have Frosted Wheaties too. So but that's those. not what he okay, said. It's still a variation. You get the point. I'm going to go with Raisin Bran over Wheaties. I'll feel it. All right. Let's move on to some serious questions. Now, um, if there was a Mount Rushmore of female basketball players in Las Vegas, who would go on it with you guys? I personally would add Italy because she was probably one of the best players that I actually got to see, and she destroyed uh, our females and, like, everybody else. But who would you guys add? Well, Italy is 100% on there. So, so there's you're, three you're spots not, taken. You're not wrong about that for sure. So who's that fourth? Um, the fourth one, if – It, there's a couple people could fill the fourth spot, but I, my pick is a player that's younger than me that has done a lot overseas. Maybe people don't know. Erin um, Ellenberg, she, Gorman alum, still playing overseas. Uh, just saw her like two weeks ago. She just left for Hungary recently. That's where she's playing this season. But I mean, she's done everything. You know, she was a great player in high school, Oklahoma, USA basketball. Touched the WNBA a little bit in, in preseason and in training camp. I don't know if she's ever played any, like, real games, but she touched it. Yeah. Um, overseas has been exceptional. Played Euro Cup, played in Turkey, played everywhere, and has been consistent and is still playing. So, for me, uh, she's the fourth. I think you can argue a couple people that, you know, might be honorable mention. I think of, like, Monique Oliver played overseas, post player, um, out of Cheyenne High School. Um, Lindy LaRock. UNLV head coach, yes. exceptional career playing at Stanford. Her um, dad cheated us, just so you guys know, when he was a coach at Durango. I love Coach LaRock. It's, <laughs> it's not personal. He's definitely a legend. Personal. Yeah. Um, so th those would be my four, and then with Mo and Lindy being my honorable mentions. Okay. I'd agree with Chelsea's list. Like, uh, it and I call her E. Ellenberg, they're, uh, they're definitely on Mount, the Mount Rushmore. I think the five could go a number of ways, like the fifth fifth player. I mean, you know, there's players that, you know, that y'all don't know, like Nikki Hitchens, she was really, really good. And as far as high school, you know, Mount Rushmore's had a one of the, you know, people that I watched younger and just being like, yo, she could really hoop. You know what I mean? Like, not really as far as accolades, but when you watch, like, she got game. A lot of game, um, you know. So I, I, we just have a lot of kind of not homegrowns, you know what I'm saying? Like or, or left and went to another place. So I'm just leaving five open okay. to, for the next for the up and coming. Yeah, for the up and coming. We got we got a lot of young girls that yeah. that's coming for sure. So definitely, like they, they get better every year. Like all this training, all these trainers, everything is it's elevating since when we were back in high school. Yeah, sure. Now on to the men's side. This is going to be probably a list that probably is ne no one's ever going to agree on because, honestly, I didn't even start getting into basketball until, you know, in the mid, early 2000s. So I didn't really see or understand all the greatness of a lot of people younger than us, you know, people that are probably in their 40s by now. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are going to be mad. 
But my list right now is definitely uh, Marcus. Marcus Banks, you know, a lottery pick in the best draft ever. He was probably the hardest person I ever guarded in a pickup game, like just because of his strength. And you wouldn't think that, but like he just put his arm out and there was nothing I can do. Uh, CJ, Pierre, and a lot of people might not know him, but I think the best player that I seen play or play with was D Butts. He was probably one of my favorite players to play against. And I always tried to pick him up when I made the first shot so I can pick the team. And, and then Dana, that's just somebody that was on my team and he's so athletic and, just things didn't work out for him, but he was always definitely in my top. Now, what about you guys? Well, I have this photo of, it, like, all the guys that, like, I've just been wearing it, like, recently at Desert Rain. You know, I'm going to agree with you when it comes to CJ and Marcus um, on our Mount Rushmore. You know, one of my favorites is, is Butter. So, D-Hop, I mean, like, super skilled. I think, you know, he was a uh, – 37, I think, in his draft in 2010. To Milwaukee, right? To Milwaukee, so definitely him. But just overall game, um, I think there's a lot of my favorites that aren't going to be on there because I'm going to go with, you know, accolades and I'm going to go with what they've accomplished more so. Pierre, for sure, I'm going to agree with you on him. Um, he's just phenomenal, you know, to be his size and just like it's very, very hard to stop him doing whatever he wants to do. Um, so – and then I'm going to go with um, somebody else a little bit older that I guess a lot of people want, probably don't know, Tramiel Darden. Mm -hmm. He's played, you know, EuroLeague, played okay. for a long, a very, very long time. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with those five. Okay. Solid five. I, like, I, I can't believe I even said Zoe is a very close honorable mention. <laughs> Lorenzo Wade. Definitely. Definitely a close honorable mention. Yeah, I mean, I basically agree with, with your list. Um, I didn't get to see D-Butts, but everybody talks about him, so I would imagine that, you know, he's probably amazing. Um, I grew up with a lot of people that maybe don't have the accolades, but just played for my dad, and they yeah. were, like, the best people I ever saw. So, <laughs> for me, like, honorable mention, which definitely not on Mount Rushmore, because I agree with your guys' picks. Like, Pierre, CJ, Marcus, Darrington would be my fourth. Um, and then obviously Zoe and Tramel, who I actually just got to know um, within the last couple of years, and just even him still playing. He he came in Israel this year because um, he was playing Euro Cup, so they had a game in Israel, and he's incredible. Like he is absolutely incredible. So he's got to be on the list, scratching the list, or whatever. But for me, just growing up, when I think about older players, like uh, Mike Johnson played for my dad, um, and Mike like was, killing us at Tark. <laughs> Even that, like, Mike yeah. will go to Tark and still score 30. And it's just, it, he's just always just been <laughs> like, talk to you crazy. Head. Yeah, he's so, crazy. So funny. I just seen Mike at uh, Vegas Basketball Center, and we talked about your dad or whatever. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I had stepped away for a long time, but I just played I just played the other day. You know I was getting buckets, Court. You know, <laughs> I still got that. You know, I ain't playing no defense now, but I, I was just, I was like, you know, I'm going to give me a few buckets. I was like, yeah. Mike's like. 50, 100 years old right now are still <laughs> <laughs> killing so, the bitch. So, yeah, so personal list for me, Mike would be on there just because I watched him as a kid, and I was always in awe of just the things that he was able to do. And, you know, he still had an incredible career, and he played overseas. He played in Israel. Um, you know, I don't think, obviously, he's touched some of the places that some of these other guys have, but I think if it's just about hoop and not about everything else, I think he has to be considered as one of the best probably to – Playing Vegas. 
So I look at him and then I think of people like, you know, that didn't pan out that I thought would, um, you know, people that are closer to my age. I thought P. Allen was exceptional. Um, Got knee surgery and started jumping out of the out of the water. Yeah. And, you know, I think he didn't he didn't reach his full potential in terms of how good he could have been as a player. Um, so that's kind of like just something that we're going to always talk about now because, you know, it didn't happen. But when, when I was coming up and I was in high school, P. Allen, I believe, is a year or two older than me. So I watched a lot of him and he was very, very good. I mean, this is a lot of guys. Like I said, I, I left a lot of my favorites, like people that I actually like playing with and, yeah. and watching them play. Like, you know, Jamal being one of my best friends, like and and his dad for that matter obviously from from california but you know coach rob is a legend you know he did a lot (laughs) at unlv but you know we have even the freddie Bankses. like we got Mm -hmm. these older guys that you know sam smiths and guys that we you know haven't really seen so we don't mention them but they're definitely you know in their own right i heard uh p allen's brother was really good too yeah pj pj PJ. he played for my dad too so i saw a lot of him pj was really good um but you know we we have a lot of uh pros that kind of came out of here that we don't even mention because i don't know they don't mess with us so yeah. don't mess with them type of thing but you know and did you guys both grow up um in north las vegas or on the west side too you guys oh from? my goodness where y'all from? Where y'all from? Where y'all from? Where you i from, think Chad? i see her hat i see where she's from i'm from the West, okay? This is where I like to claim because <laughs> truly my mom and dad grew up on the West and I spent a lot of time there as a kid. But no, I did not live over there. So I had to set the record straight <laughs> because Sequoia likes to act like I don't belong. But Chris, I'm really like, I'm good in any hood, any street, wherever you want to go. My people are from the West. I'm a product of those people. I'm from the West. That's how I look at it. Right, Koi? And that's fine. So <laughs> I'm not saying that. But, you know, when it comes to, like, we're having the conversation, she's like, you know where I'm from. And I'm like, Chelsea, we know where Tony Hopkins is from and Carla, okay? We know where they're from. But you, on the other hand, grew up in Summerlin. No, I did not. Two no. streets <laughs> away from the Summerlin sign, <laughs> literally. <laughs> You cross over the bridge and you're in Summerlin. And it's not a bridge like you go from one hood, like the north, you know, the Losey Bridge. You go over that bridge, then you're on the west. Like, no, <laughs> you don't go from one hood to one hood. Okay. So for me, I'm from the north. Like, you know, 8910, you know, all those. 89030, 89115. Like, I grew up in those two. Uh, I'll, you know, just get to a point where. I'm repping the West though because you know that's where my parents, you know, my mom grew up. But I'm I but I don't claim that at all. I claim where I grew up. You know, me and my mom will go back and forth. I'm like, I'm not from the West. Like she like your roots, and I'm like, nah, I'm good. Y'all got that. But you know, right, what gym I did spend, you play in, Chelsea? Okay, thank you. Just what 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 gym did you play in? I played in Mojave. I'm saying, was it was it Walnut Rec or was it Doolittle? I, I was at Walnut. I was at all the Recs. I was at Agassiz too. <laughs> Yes. I was you at Jupiter. Summerlin Pavilion. Never. Never. <laughs> he was up there at. I was at Agassiz. I went to uh, the Leisure uh, Center. Leisure Center at Palo. Boys and Girls Club, Doolittle, Late Night Hoops. I was everywhere. That's my point. And I went to school in the North with. Okay. So all she was my like people. Nunu. 
She was no, like, no, no. No, disclaimer. <laughs> she was there because Coach Hop was there watching his players play in the summer, and she didn't have a babysitter. So she had to go. <laughs> Birds of a feather. Me and my daddy, that's how we roll. So that's my point. I was there. Right, so I just said all this. What got you guys into basketball? Was it your dad that got you into it? or? Yeah, well, for me, I just, I just grew up in the gym. You know, my dad was a coach since before I was born. Um, you know, I kind of just fell into basketball because I was for sure a daddy's girl, at least early on. Um, always running behind him, following behind him. Um, I remember like being, you know, five, six years old and he was coaching at Rancho, you know, okay. running on the court, messing with Mike. Mike was my favorite. Um, so I just kind of was always in the gym. I actually didn't start playing organized basketball um, until I was around eight or 10. <laughs> and um, so I just kind of, that's kind of just how it happened for me. My dad really never like, forced me to play, but I was just always a tag-along. Like Sequoia said, no babysitter. My mom's at work. My dad's going to the gym, and here I am right next to him. So that's how it worked out. Definitely, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I kind of got into basketball. I think I've always just liked sports in general. My dad is a sports guy, football, baseball. Okay. So, you know, we used to, used to do a lot of outdoorsy stuff when I was a kid, and, you know, basketball was one that I picked up. But my sister – I um, actually played high school basketball. Um, so I used to, you know, be kind of around her games and stuff. And all three sports that she played, I always wanted to kind of do the same sports. I played volleyball and ran track. And that's mostly because of her. But basketball is one that I took a, a special liking to. So I think she kind of turned me on to the game. She likes to take credit for teaching me or getting me my first shot. But she can't play. <laughs> you know, my dad was actually your sister's PE teacher. Yes, he at, tells me at, that all the time. And uh, oh, the bonnet that was my girl. That's what he always And Marion Kalen. Yeah, yeah, her first PE teacher. I think yeah. he gave her some like track award or some crap. She she always <laughs> says that too. So I talked about it. So, did you guys have any other plans for your future that wasn't that involved basketball? Obviously, you guys didn't have to um, go through those. But what yeah. were your plans if basketball what didn't work out? Then, like when you're, when we're yeah, kids, when you were, like, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Okay. That was like when they asked you, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" I was like, "I want to be a vet." So I used to have like all kinds of random animals at different times in my childhood, like dogs. I used to try to get like kittens that I would be seeing. Like my mom was like, "No, you can get rid of that cat." <laughs> so, no. But I mean, we just had like random. I had like hamsters and all kinds of stuff at some point, like okay. in nice. my house. Well, for me, I thought I was going to be a soccer player. Um, soccer was my first sport. Soccer was my first love. I really was like the black, like Mia Ham coming up. <laughs> I was really nice and like that. And Sequoia always teases me because when I first started coming to basketball practice, I told you I didn't start organized basketball until after okay. soccer. I used to wear my little soccer shorts, you know, coming there. And Your shingle hurts. Yeah, they would tease me, but soccer, I really, really, truly love soccer. And we just got to a point where when I got to high school, um, the soccer and the basketball season overlap. And my mom was like, yeah, like, we're not going to be doing all this. Like, are we going to soccer practice or are we going to basketball practice? So um, I figured I would be better in basketball. So I kind of just shifted that Stop direction. Yeah. All right. Um, and I know you graduated a couple years earlier. Was Centennial, who Centennial has been the last couple years when you were there? Yeah. Did they win all four state championships? Yes. And how did that make you feel? <laughs> Irked. Did yeah, you annoyed. think it was fair? I wanted to... I wanted to transfer school so many times. Like, a lot of my AAU teammates went to, like, Palo and Western, so I was 
constantly thinking about transferring. Like, I have to get out of, not because I didn't like Mojave and my teammates, but I just wanted to win. And mostly I just wanted to beat them. Like, because, yeah. There was you nothing know, else you can do, more you can do. There isn't, there, yeah. yeah, there was nothing I could do. But, you know, a lot of my closest uh, AAU teammates and my cousin, <clears throat> the year that their senior year, um, 03, they lost to them in state by two points. So mm-hmm. they had a very good, like, opportunity to win. I think, you know, if I would have been there, we probably would have won, won. But, you know, it's, you know, hindsight. Yeah. We went to one again after that. So it was <laughs> like, all right. You know, yeah, it, didn't. it comes around with them, right? I think right now, every, you know, four or so years, another team is, like, on the cusp. They might win one, and then it's back to normal still to this day. Yeah. And I've seen that she just took over the boys' program, too. Their yeah, head yeah, coach, I saw so that. that's going to be crazy. Yeah. I think she just needed another challenge. Yeah. So she's just kind of, I think, looking for something else. Yeah. Just kind of getting bored, which sucks. If other people could win, then it might have lasted a little longer. Yeah. But I get it. Yeah, well, for me, um, I never beat Centennial. Not one time. Um Playing at Mojave, uh, me and Italy had a lot of battles. You know, Italy get 30. Usually I would get, you know, 30, 36, but we would have 42. And then <laughs> <laughs> lose by That's 20. It. So, and, you know, for me it was just competing, and I just enjoyed it because Italy was, you know, one of the best in the city too. So just having the opportunity to go head-to-head with her, even though the result was always very one-sided um, to Centennial. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. But, yeah, I never beat them. Um, but I knew I had no option to even think about transferring. Like, if you know Tony Hopkins, you know my dad, yeah, you go stuff. where your daddy go. Wherever he's coaching, wherever he's teaching, I got to go there. So that's even how I ended up in Mojave. He was teaching there at the yeah. time. I was zoned, actually, for Cheyenne. Um, and my dad was like, no. Nope. Like, here, here, here I am, and here you are. So that's how it worked Yeah, out. it's kind of like with, with Centennial, especially then, you know, a lot of – they were – Tough, um, probably a little more skilled at the time than the other teams had. They had the toughness and the skill. A lot of the other teams had tough players, but just weren't as good of basketball players mm-hmm. at the time. So it was just about, I just got to play my best game. Like, literally outside of that Western team and, you know, a few of the, like, liberties now, it's just like, you ch- if you're by yourself at your high school, try to have your best game, keep it close, and not lose by 30. That was the goal, and, you know, it was always competitive, you know, kind of the game within the game for yourself, you know, a little bit. A lot of trash talk for me, for sure, but. At least you backed it up, though. I just feel like I had no other choice. I have to talk. I have to try to get a lot of points and try to make sure everybody else does what they can. Yeah, that's fact. All right, let's move on to the college days. Why did you choose to stay home and go to UNLV? Hmm. Uh, I chose to stay home. It was, it was. Pretty simple, you know, I I was going through the process, kind of started, recruiting started a little bit, I think, early for me, um, being at my age, because not a lot of uh, athletes or basketball players that in our age group got the kind of exposure that I was getting at the time, and, like, my first offer came from U, U of A, the okay. summer of my sophomore year, I think, which was, I just was like, this is way too early, but... You know, now it's it's getting to be that's happening a lot more often. And I was just like, you know, I have time. I don't have I don't want to choose whatever. And then I get to senior season and it just started rolling like, you know, home, the home visits and the away visits, which I didn't even take any of my official visits because I ended up signing on UNLV so quickly. 
it was just like I got into the process and was like, I don't want to do this. Like I'm a, I went to UNLV for an unofficial just off campus and they have been following me obviously since eighth grade, I think, or something. And I was just impressed with the way Coach Miller at the time like kind of pushed me and the staff. Like she literally was on my ass from the day I met her. Just like, yeah, you know, you're really good, and we want you a lot, obviously, because we come watch you play, but you're not probably going to play that much. And I was like, what? Why would you come to all my games? And then I I just was like, yeah, no, okay. I just kind of felt that, you know, her and the staff really pushed me, I think, at the time in Street and Smith, which is, um, you know, one of the rankings writers and things like on ESPN at, at that time. We were ranked 22 in the country. And when I signed, so I was like, it's a good choice. I never wanted to stay home at all before that. I was like, no way, I'm going away for school. But I kind of just prayed about it, and I thought, you know, it'd be cool to kind of create my own kind of path. And What were some of the biggest offers you had besides UNLV and U of A? Uh, offers, like I said, in the process. Or you just shut it down quick? Yeah, I shut life. it down quick. I signed in the early period, okay. so before I even – you know, people really started offering. Um, I had three. I had Colorado State. I had, well, I had some other schools too, but they were like, no way I'm going to like Vermont and some other places. So U of A, Colorado State. Um, there were a lot of teams in the Mountain West at the time, like Wyoming, and pretty much the whole Mountain West had kind of came and was like, we want you to come. Do you regret, I'm sorry, not going through the process? Do you think, or do you stick by your decision now in hindsight? I think I probably would have still gone to UNLV, but I wish I would have taken some of my some of my visits, just, like to, see my, uh, just to see what was out there, you know. But for me, it was like I'm praying on this. I don't want people calling me all day long. Like I can't take it. So I'm gonna just pray about it. I got these seven schools. Whatever one I wake up with on my mind, that's the one I'm that's going with, one. and that was UNLV. And why do you think Vegas loses a lot of our top athletes to out of state schools? Uh, for a while, it's just because we weren't good. So nobody wants to go to a team that is sorry, Definitely. <laughs> you know, college. And they had just had better schools that were are schools that were better and in better locations as far as what their parents wanted, just kind of the atmosphere and stuff. But we weren't ever really terrible. But it's a it was a it's a culture thing. It's like what you see. Um, and then at, at times it just wasn't recruited well. Just to be honest, like, you know, the coaches weren't getting out there and pouring into and giving that interest as needed. You know what I mean? I think Lindy's doing a better job as of recently kind of getting out and looking for natives. And I think just because she, you know, is from the community, the other couple coaches weren't from the city. So they didn't have that same type of passion for recruiting in the city. Um, so that's a, a reason why. But some of, at those times, some of the players were just better. Like Mo and, and Chelsea, Ashley Gill, Aaron, like they definitely should have, you know, even Darielle kind of going away to school. Like at the time, the team wasn't good enough. <laughs> like yeah. I thought that they could go to better schools. Definitely. What about you, Chelsea? Um, well, I agree for the most part with Sequoia's point about the recruiting, but like UNLV never offered me. So – you know, me and Sequoia have talked about that, um, kind of went back and forth about it a little bit. Um, and she was saying how, like, I guess they felt like some of the players were just untouchable or, like, you know, just they're not going to come, so it's a waste of time. But, yeah. you know, as a kid being from here, I, I, I would have liked 
UNLV to want me. At and, least I, all and, you know, and, and it's a hometown thing. That That's the edge that you're always going to have. Yeah, your team may suck, and I have this offer, this, this, and this, but but you're at home, you know? So you just never know. Like, that might, you know, and, and especially for me, like, I was a, kind of a late bloomer in terms of the recruiting process. You know, I talked about my dad, who's crazy. He doesn't want anything, basically. <laughs> he So when I started playing organized basketball, even, you know, I'm getting to the point where it's time to get started getting recruited, and my dad's just old school. I played for a small Vegas team. Sequoia coached me for two weeks. We can talk about that. <laughs> Played for a small Vegas team. My dad is like, you ain't going to all these tournaments. You ain't going here. You ain't going there. Whatever. Because he's just like that. So when I started getting recruited, I had, you know, UC Riverside, Pepperdine. Like, you know, smaller Division One schools. I had interest because I was a good player. But that, that was kind of the offers that I was getting because of the exposure that I had. It wasn't a lot. It was playing in Cali, playing in Vegas. And that's pretty much it. So... When um, one of my best friends, Monique Oliver, basically had to beg my dad to allow me to play on her travel ball team, which was a elite travel ball team uh, based out of California called West Coast Elite. And they're traveling and playing in all these big time tournaments where all the, uh, the scouts are. Um, she begged my dad basically to let me play. He let me play one year and I blew up. You blew up. So I went from, you know, Ir- Irvine, Pepperdine, Riverside. And, and that's the time, personally, I feel like UNLV should have been in the mix. Definitely. Because this, this, at this point, I'm not even really a big-time recruit. Why not offer you, though? It's like, if you're, if you're already not going to go, you might as well just throw it out there. See yeah. what happens. So they talk about, like, being untouchable. I became untouchable after that one year over playing in West Coast Elite because now I have Duke in Texas and pretty much a, 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 any school I could have thought about going to, I had that option. So that's, it got to that point. But I'm just saying, if you would have been early in the mix, you never would have known. Like, I maybe would have stayed at home. But because I was a late bloomer, I played one year um, on the travel ball circuit. I went from being unknown to being ranked number six in my position, maybe number 57 or something in my class. That was just one summer. And all the offers went from Pepperdine and Irvine to Duke, Texas, Cal, USC, UCLA. Like, so now it's at this point... I'm having my way. I'm getting to, you know, choose. And and unlike Sequoia, I took all my visits because I was having a blast. Like, give me the steak, give me the wine and dine. I took all my visits and I took even unofficial visits too because they were still getting me out there. Basically, they're supposed to be unofficial, but I wasn't paying. So officially, I went to Texas, Cal, USC, Duke, um, Texas, Cal, USC, Duke, and Temple. Because okay. me and Don Staley were best friends at the time. I wanted to go to Temple, but that's another story. <laughs> then, unofficially, I went to UCLA, other schools that were close. So, I took all my visits. I really enjoyed the recruiting process. But I really still kind of feel away just about UNLV not reaching out because I didn't have the option to stay home because you didn't offer me. So, yeah. it was an option. That's not cool. And I know you uh, ended up choosing Duke initially, one of my favorite schools ever. Did you go there just to try to get back in Italy at North Carolina? <laughs> no, no. You know, I have so much respect for Italy. Like, we had a lot of battles in high school, so it just would have been another battle, um, you know, playing on the uh, on the college level. But for me, like I said, I wanted to go to Temple. Okay. I Don Staley was my point god idol at the time. She was coaching there, okay. um, trying to build something special. Me and her talked every day. And the main thing was is that she was just at Temple. And my mom okay. was like... I will not sleep at night. I will not sleep at night if you go to school in Philly. It's the hood. I, it's too far away. I just I just can't. 
So basically, I, after I went on my visit, and I'm going to tell you this, Chris, this was the best visit of my life. <laughs> she was coaching the USA team at the time. I'm hanging out at practice. I'm at dinner with Tina Thompson. Everybody who's on the, I have all these pictures, all this stuff <laughs> to this day. Everybody who was on the Olympic team when she was there at the time, I had pictures with and I was hanging out with at Temple, just having a blast, ready to commit. Don Staley had all the Jordans. We wore the same size. <laughs> that's that's another, another story for another day. So I wanted to actually commit on my visit and I took all my visits without my parents because they wanted me to really feel it and okay. not have any influence. Little do they know they still had influence because the school I wanted to go to, my mom just acted like she couldn't do it. So I ended up picking Duke because I was very studious, like just a nerd. I was salutatorian at Mojave. Um, total, like love getting good grades, love class, love doing homework, love sharing my homework with the people <laughs> that didn't do their homework. <laughs> so at the time, it was just the best of both worlds. Like Duke was number three in the country, women's basketball circuit. I mean, obviously from an academic standpoint, you Up know, it yeah, my sister graduated right when round you did too. Um, so it was just kind of the, com- the best combination of both. Um, and at the time, it was a good decision, but you know, it just didn't pan out. Yeah, do you think, uh, like I read, you had some injuries? Like, do you think um, that was, like, what what led to you transferring? Was it, like, did the injuries have you second-guessing yourself? Did you think you weren't, you were behind upperclassmen? So what was what made you transfer? No, actually, um, I basically, yeah, I just had a lot of injuries. I, I came in, and I was, like, seventh man. I'm playing 16, 17 minutes a game behind Jasmine Thomas. Um, she's a point guard for the Connecticut Sun. So I'm in every game. I'm coming in off the bench. Um, and I remember it like it was yesterday, just 10 games into my rookie season or my freshman year, uh, we were playing on the road at Western, Western Kentucky. I went up for a rebound and I tore my meniscus. Um, didn't seem that big of a deal at the time, but, um, you know, then it happened again. And then it happened again. So uh, for me, I think one of the biggest things that, you know, was kind of upsetting was uh, when I got to Duke, I was just really small. I was 5'6", I was like 125 pounds. But Chris, when I played my first game, I was 5'8", and I was almost 150. Like, just juiced up on creatine. Yeah, making me take creatine powder and shakes because they're saying, you got to get bigger, you're smaller. So I just went through a process there that probably wasn't the healthiest. Um, I wasn't taking anything illegal, but I got too big too fast. Like, everything got big. My breasts, my height, like, just everything. Your body just didn't naturally. My body totally changed. So like I said, by the time I played my first game, I'm still having the athleticism and running and jumping like I used to, but my body wasn't used to it. So literally 10 games into the season, tore my meniscus. They wanted me to come back because I was a part of the team and I was a contributor on the team. I came back two and a half months later and my meniscus was still torn. So I'm supposed to go home for the summer and I have to come back for surgery instead of going home to see my family. And then by that time, I'm about to start my sophomore year and I'm still injured, basically. I'm not, you know, really physically back to normal. I had the surgeries, but things weren't great. I asked to redshirt, and they basically denied that because they had Chelsea Gray coming in. And they're like, no, like, we got Jasmine now, you now, here comes Chelsea. We like to just, you know, keep it going. Keep it going. And if you, if you can't play, but my thing was, like, I was hurt, so I, I don't want to play hurt. That's okay. the thing. So I ended up um, just making a decision to, to go closer to home. And what was funny about choosing San Diego State was we had just played them in the Sweet 16. We had beat them. We walking down, you know. I she see has a, a whole list of illegal <laughs> shit that she used to do, apparently. <laughs> we just beat San Diego State. I didn't play. I just had a front row seat. We walking down. Here goes Coach Burns. Hey, whenever you want to come. I oh. said, shoot. Jeez. 
Depth well, she doesn't that. coach anymore. So it I tried that at Gorman. When we was playing football, I was like, if y'all need another player, yeah. didn't See? go that way, though. But And that's how it happened. The rest is history. So UNLV didn't offer you that second time, no. that second opportunity? they didn't. UNLV blew it. Dang. Blew it. Well, okay, at that time, it wasn't my staff because they got fired after I graduated, the year I graduated. So they all left. Yeah, but then I ended up in the Mountain West still, and I wreaked havoc on UNLV. Okay, that's fine, Chelsea. And then just the fact that you knew her, I'm surprised that they didn't try to use you to get her. Well, they would. She wouldn't have been there with them anyways. I think maybe they might have known, like, oh, we about to get the fuck up out of here anyway. So, but I think no, what she said too was that they some of them were just not accessible like they weren't gonna get them and maybe i can't even remember they probably asked me and i was like yeah don't even try because y'all ain't getting them so. she going? yeah but at the time i just felt like they no i like, i i did i did have a few conversations like y'all need to <laughs> well not y'all need to but more like y'all should go look at such and such or this player or that player and they're like yeah we will we have we know who they are whatever but it's just like i don't know what the situation was really like, if they knew that, they probably wasn't going to be there. But even still, you went to UCLA, and K.O. was the coach there, and she came here. So Very true. what's her problem? Okay. She probably <laughs> did true. something did, for you. So at the time, though, Chris, especially my years, like, we had a lot of good players. So I just don't like that excuse by UNLV because offer all 10 of us, and maybe you get one. Maybe you get two. Like, if you get two, your program's just better off anyway. Like, between me and Mo and Ashley Yale and Darielle, and <laughs> the list just goes on of players that, you know, I just felt like they, they just wrote off. And, yeah, you're not going to get all of us. True, you're not. But if you got one, then, you know, things could be different. If you got two, things could have really been different, you know. Uh, but also, the year you guys graduated, we only had one scholarship available. I was the only senior who graduated. Yeah. So we're not going to offer all room. 10 of y'all. <laughs> make like, room. And they all no, try to go. <laughs> make you know, and they room. all try to go. At least, uh, but in the people, in the grand scheme of the one, the 10 or 8 that you mentioned, they would have probably only had the possibility of getting one that would have said, all right, I'll come here. And I was the only one that was leaving. And I think they filled up with a transfer something. So it was like an empty class. Like it yeah. wasn't no spots really. So they're like, ah. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I guess. I, I would have definitely shown interest, though, the whole time. Even if there was a never a, an official offer, but, like, letters and all that stuff all the time, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, they can definitely do better. We've lost so many, not even, like, let's just say, like, the top-tier players. We've lost a lot of people to other Mountain West schools and stuff like that that we shouldn't. Like, we have the best facil- football facility now. We have the best basketball facility, so – I think there's no excuse going forward for UNLV athletics because everything, all the money's been put into it. I think they really have to either step it up now or just continue to be at the bottom of the barrel. I didn't really like the hire for the uh, men's coach this time. I think they should have got, you know, somebody locally, somebody who's played at UNLV to try to do what they're doing on the girls' side. But, you know, I don't make those decisions either. <laughs> all right, so this is going to be like a little lovey-dovey situation. What is the best? about the other person out of you two? Like, what part of her game do you like and what part of her game do you like? I'll go first. <laughs> well, I just, I came up behind Sequoia. So I had the pleasure um, of just watching her kind of lead the way for players like myself. Um, she has just done everything. Um, she has competed at the highest level you know, played everywhere, WNBA, overseas. And just to have that type of role model or somebody that you can look up to that 
you know, has been there and done that, somebody that you can lean on, you know, throughout your process. That is always what I've loved the most of, you know, me and Sequoia's relationship, just being able to watch her do it. Um, on the basketball court, um, she's just a dog. She's a competitor. Like, even till this day, like, I just commend how basketball is just, she's so passionate about it and she takes everything so personal. And um, I wish sometimes that, that I can have that same energy and just effort um, when I'm playing. Because, like, for me, I always tease to play all the time. My knees hurt. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to work out, Sequoia. I don't want to do whatever. But to see somebody who has done it for so long and at such a high level, like, um, I, I could not have had a better example. And, and I really think that that is why, you know, I've been able to have the success that I've had because I've been able to watch somebody, somebody do it. Yeah. Thank you, Chelsea. That's cute. <laughs> now, um, and I, for me... That was just one of the things that I wanted to do. Like, even going to UNLV, signing, the first thing I said in the paper was, like, we don't have just scrubs here. Like, people need to come here and recruit us. Like, and I actually got in trouble for, like, being too doggish, I guess you will, in the newspaper. Like, Review Journal, I think. I can't forget the writer's name, but it was, like, right after I signed, they were like, why did you go there? I'm like, I want to show that everybody, you know, that we don't just have scrubs. Um, and <clears throat> that was just one of my things, like creating my own legacy, really, uh, even in high school coming out of like Jim Bridger, I'm like, I don't want to go to a school where we're just putting every best player on the team. I want to go and compete against them. Cause that's going to show who I am, you know, as an athlete, if I can win, if I'm, you know, good enough, I know championships and things like that are going to be, um, few far in between, but that's okay. Um, and at UNLV, that too, same idea. Like, I want to put on for the city, but I want to show the younger players that I know are are going to have more exposure, going to be in a better position than I was and my teammates right, that I had at the time to, um, like, show them just, like, I want to do it right and give you guys a, some type of blueprint that y'all can follow. So that meant a lot to me to do that and still even doing that as a pro, you know, the younger pros that are coming up, I spend a lot of time kind of mentoring or trying to anyway. And, and in my own way, whether that's me, you know, just playing against them or kind of taking them under my wing, talking to them about certain things or, you know, having lunch one day or whatever the case may be. And for me, the best thing about being able to at the two years ago play with Chelsea is that I was always trying to figure out my entire career, how, why isn't this easy? Chelsea just makes the game easy or for her teammates on offense because just being the type of point guard she is, pass first, and it's, it's so hard. I, that was one of the, the most relaxing years for me, I guess, because I just didn't have to do much. Like, catch and shoot when you're open, Coy. <laughs> like, when I put you or call you ISO situations, but it was all, it's always about what do you need? How can I help you? You know what I mean? And you don't get those type of selfless players a lot. They don't, you don't come up by them a lot. So it was just, it was foreign to me, actually. I'm like, this is too damn easy. Like, I'm not doing enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it was like, 
I mean, we'd have our spats, I guess, about the rebounding situation because she's a rebound stealer. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> but other than that, you know, it's really just easy to play with her. She makes the game so easy, puts you in spots to be successful. And, you know, where she, she takes pride in understanding where you want the ball, how you want to play. Like, so it's just easy. And it, it, it feels good to just have that for the first time, really. Definitely, definitely. Point guards make, make the game. All right. Um, so it's on to the uh, WNBA. Who is your GOAT? You get to pick one player. Goats on the WNBA side. Goats at one. I know. I know. My goat is Tina Thompson. That's my goat because she was my mentor, kind of when I first came into the league, and she's accomplished a lot and kind of just was low key about it. You know what I mean? Played a very, very long time. Top five on a lot of lists. Top three on a lot of lists. Um, so I'd say she's my goat. And a great person, too, outside of that. Um, for me, I mean, it's just Maya. Um, I argue Maya more with people all the time, maybe because she's my generation or whatever. But, you know, I tend to think that a lot of the older players don't get the respect that they deserve. Like, you know, Cynthia Cooper, like Cheryl Swoops, all those people are, like, up there for me. Okay. But when you talk about accolades and just doing things in a short period of time, like, I don't feel like people have the resume of Maya Moore. Like, mm -hmm. I just don't. And imagine She's done every going. single thing you could possibly think of. She has three NCAA championships. She was rookie of the year. She's been MVP, league MVP. She's been finals MVP. She has multiple championships. She has two gold Olympic, like medals. Like, the list just goes on and on of what she was able to do. And she condensed like, her like career. Like seven years, maybe? Seven yeah. or eight years? And stop playing. Got married, just had a baby, and didn't talk to anybody. And that's just the best <laughs> life ever. I'm the greatest. I'm going to walk away. I'm not going to tell you that I'm retired. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a kid. I'm still the GOAT. I've done everything. Leave me alone. And that's why she's the GOAT to me because of how she did it. Now, you can argue, like, a lot of different players. Like, I think Brianna Stewart's going to have a chance. I mean, she's four for four. You know, in NCAA titles, yeah. you know. We're talking about the WNBA, Chelsea. He said WNBA. <laughs> I know, okay. but Brianna Stewart's in the WNBA. Okay, I'm yeah, she's saying. in the WNBA. Complete resume, there's only going to be a few people, you know. And people like to say Diana Taurasi's the GOAT, which used to be Sequoia's I GOAT. Am, I am. No, I, my GOAT. My GOAT and the GOAT are different. Okay. okay Wait, so, so Diana's so, the so, GOAT. So, no, I didn't say that. Okay, Cynthia Cooper is very much up there. Yeah. But if we have to talk about accolades in the WNBA specifically and obviously she's played more time but Diana is just giving the mythical like Kobe vibe in the league it's like if you have her on her on your team in her prime there is no person that wants her to have the ball at the end like absolutely not and if I had to say if I had to pick between her and Maya who gonna win me the game Maya. I'm going with Diana no it's Maya Sure. Uh, well, well, <laughs> <laughs> okay. But then I want to show love to Candace Parker then. Like, if yeah, you want to talk course. about something being girlfriend. mythical, Candace Parker, only player to be rookie of the year and MVP. You know, she doesn't have all the championships that some of these girls, but she has championships, so it's good enough. Yeah, one I mean, in Chicago, one in LA. Well, when, but, you know, like I said, there's levels. Like, when you come to, we can argue all the time, and you guys ask me who my favorite is, who do I say? You said who am, Diana. No, who is my favorite? If you, you guys ask me who's the best, whatever, like Stewie, Elena, 
all these people. I pick Candace every single That's time. I pick Candace every single time. And Candace is in my top five too. I'm exactly. Saying. I'm saying like, oh, well, who are you going with? I'm going Candace. Like, not, but Diana's saying, not my favorite. But people but fear Maya Moore just as much as they feel at that fear time, Diana. At that time. Oh my God, Maya Moore. She, I, yeah. <laughs> incredible. I'm not saying she's she so good. All right, well, she's my generation, so maybe I want to have a little bit, uh, you know, I'm biased to her, but she was so good. And I have Candace in my top five always. I don't care what anybody says. Like, she is incredible, and she has to be there. And Diane is incredible, too, but eh. It's all subjective. Yeah. Like, say, on the bas- on the men's side, like, Iverson's my goat. I know LeBron and Kobe and Jordan might be, you know, ranked a little higher, but I think, like, Iverson changed the game the most for me. Yeah, Iverson was my goat before yeah. Braun, so... Yeah. Who's yours, Corey? Kobe. Kobe. Bryant. All right, we ain't going to start no arguing. Right, so yeah, don't. Let's not yeah. even go there. I don't talk about Kobe anymore. Hours. We have to yeah, let I him I always respect him, man. I always respect his respect. game. He is. So. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't have He's going to forever. Anymore. He's going to forever be in the conversation. Yeah, but I don't want to debate it anymore. I just <laughs> Yeah, I think everybody's just going to leave that alone. Yeah. Now, let's just talk about your time, like, overseas. Like, what is what are the, like, the mental impacts it had on your mental health and stuff like that? Like, has it been an easy adjustment? Was it hard? Well, I've been fortunate enough to spend my entire overseas career in one place. Okay. I've been in Israel, um, about to go back. I'm about to go in year 10. Um, I have had a fairly easy overseas experience. Um, my hardest, most challenging year was my first year out. Um, I had a non-guaranteed contract. I was on a terrible team. I didn't really know what the expectations were of me as a player. Um, sometimes you get in situations where you have to do stuff that's kind of beyond you. Um, in high school, I was a scorer. You know, I, average, I led the state in scoring junior and senior year, like 30 points a game. But when I got to college, they said, you're a point guard. This is what you're here to do. And I've played that way ever since. So sometimes you go overseas and you get stuck in these situations like, oh, Chelsea, I need you to score and do this. And, and I don't do that, you know, like. So for me, that was just the most challenging year because everybody was getting cut. I was the only American on my team that lasted that season. Our team sucked. I'm kind of playing beyond myself. Like one game, I'm Sequoia. One game, I'm Italy. Like I'm literally (laughs) just doing whatever it takes, you know, to to try to stay on the team. Um, But after I got through that season um, and I was able to kind of in year two show people like, okay, I'm a facilitator. I'm an orchestrator. I'm going to line this up. I'm going to get her open shots. I'm going to do this. And I play basketball the right way. Um, I actually, in year two, took a very bottom team that was predicted to finish dang near last, and we ended up winning a cup championship. Okay. So then Eyes and Israel were like, dang, like, you know, she took this sorry team, sorry team to, to the <laughs> you know, to the promised land. And after that, like, I just was getting interest from pretty much every team in that country at some point has offered me a contract. And I got to settle in as the player that I knew I always could be. Just a facilitator, orchestrator, you know, pass first, point guard, um, walking triple-double, because I get a lot of triple-doubles out there. Um, and I've just been able to be surrounded by great players and be in really great situations. And, and it's been kind of smooth sailing ever since for me. I haven't really had... Um, any issues basketball-wise, and just living in Israel in general, it's, it's super Americanized. I mean, it's like okay. living in California. Mediterranean, beach weather all the time. Everybody speaks English, so I didn't have a crazy language barrier of not being able to communicate with people. Um, the food was super good. Um, surrounded by a whole bunch of Americans. Sometimes you go to different countries, and 
your nearest American is two hours away. But in Israel, everybody's 15 minutes away. Okay. So super easy adjustment. Um, I don't really have too many horror stories. Like, you know, thankfully, God just kind of worked it out for me. But I've, I've seen, you know, how overseas has broken other people, has ended their careers. And I just, fortunately, I haven't really experienced that. So about your journey? Like, no comment. Completely different. Yeah. Um, no, I've had my share of just ups and downs depending on the season. And while it's been so many seasons, playing in different places, like I've gone places where I didn't have any power for like hot water, just a bunch of different stuff. Like I try to find the brighter side, no matter what, though, just – Cause, so I never ever, ever looked at it like this was horrible. But if I have to say which one, um, it would have to be this last season in Greece that oh, has wow. really made me, I am on a mental break right now. I'm literally, and maybe it's because I'm just old now and th- that same um, drive to, to, to put myself on or kind of show that I belong or, you know, get back to the league, you know, at, at sometimes it was always chasing after the next, you know, the next plat- plateau and the next thing. So I was kind of like, eh, um, that was hard, but it was for a reason. This year, I felt like I had a very difficult season for no reason. Like, why was the season so hard? Why was it so long? And maybe I'm just in vet mode, you know, just old and like, you know, but I had an injury kind of later in the season. And that made it really tough. I think, you know, the organization didn't treat me the best, um, which is just janky (laughs) to me. And, you know, I played injured. I did everything I could. You know, they just did a lot that, you know, I'm not happy about. Um, And this is really the first time I talked about it, like, to the public. You know what I mean? And I threatened them to do that, (laughs) which is funny. But, um just yeah they 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 weren't very nice you know and not you know kind of upholding their end of of the deal the situation but on the basketball side it's always hoop so it was fun you know i've been in countries where you know the basketball was terrible the off court life was great um so it can be a struggle struggle like mentally um just kind of making sure that you stay in a mindset that where you're able to do your job like cuz i'm here to work like i think i maintain my professionalism at all costs and I'm not going to let you know any organization or players or whoever kind of take the passion and joy I have for playing basketball away from me so but I struggled with that this year because it was days where I was like y'all got me all the way messed up and I won't come (laughs) you know but I'm the type of player that you know my attitude kind of kind of shows a little bit more when the situation is where I feel like I'm being taken advantage of or not being cared for properly as an athlete or just them being giving the same professionalism back. So I, I mean, I've been in Turkey where I didn't get paid and I'm like, I'm leaving. I don't care what y'all got going on. Y'all ain't paid me. I'm out of here. I'll pay for my own flight. I don't care. I'm not going to sit here and just kind of allow y'all to kind of treat me in a certain way. So not as easy, you know, but it's always been fun. I've always been able to find like, even in Turkey, I was like, that was one of the best competitively like, uh, countries like every team was good okay. you know what i'm saying they had bigs they had guards they had you know different like the offense like the style of play was good so 
more so than being happy that I left. I was like, dang, y'all really messed this up because we had a good team and this season could have been great because of the basketball stuff, you know. But, um, yeah, there's been times, you know, me and Italy actually played together and we were were roommates. We didn't have hot water and (laughs) power for, like, Two weeks and the African people were just like, it's Africa. And we're like, what? Oh <laughs> no, we're not coming. They're like, well, why? And Italy's so sweet and nice. Like, well, cool. I'm like, no, Italy, we're not going. Go rest. Go lay down. We're not going nowhere. We don't have no, we can't even wash our undergarments. Like, we don't have nothing to practice in. We can't come. And she's like, well, I'm glad you're here because usually they just do whatever and say whatever. And I'm like, no. They're not going to treat you like that anymore. And they're not going to treat me like <laughs> that for sure. We not coming. And I told him, I called him like me and Italy will not be at practice today. And if y'all don't come and get our power or bring somebody over here to wash or take our clothes and wash them laundry mat, we're not coming. And they're like, she's crazy, huh? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> Are you guys ridiculous or what? Like, no. You got to hold up their side of it. All right. Now the difficult part, like, why don't you guys think you guys stuck on with any WNBA teams long term? A lot of factors kind of go into that. I'd say timing for sure. Um, You know, there's just not a lot of jobs, not a lot of roster spots. Um, What, 300 maybe? No, no. 150. 150. 144. 12 by 12. 12 teams, and some teams carry 11. And some teams, every once in a while, get a hardship. So that's why I'm saying 150 because yeah. they're able to get a hardship for injury or something like that. Yeah. But there's not enough teams, not enough jobs. And, you know, unlike Chelsea, I wasn't – I'm not a specialist. So, I mean, I think the things that I do or bring to team is special, just like the how I play, you know, being able to contribute and affect the game in a lot of different areas. But, you know, sometimes teams or front offices are just looking for specific pieces to fit into their puzzle. Whereas I always thought, okay – you can take a utility guard and make them a shooter. You can take a utility guard and make them a defender. You can do these type of things because of their uh, just their athletic ability. But sometimes it's just all about the fit, you know. Politics play a part of it for sure. I mean, I used to try to deny that 100% when <laughs> I was a younger. Like, no, like, it's just me. I need to get better. I need to get better. I need to get better. And I think that's what drove me to have such a long career. But as I've gotten older, it's just be some bullshit sometimes, if I can be honest. <laughs> Uh, and for me, I mean, I've had a lot of opportunities, but they just weren't real opportunities. Like, for example, the last time I played in the WNBA was 2018. I played with the Chicago Sky. Um, I was there basically on a 30-day contract. Their starting point guard, Courtney Vandersloot, uh, has a Hungarian passport. So she was playing internationally with them, was coming to the season late. Um, Chicago picked me up. I was starting. I started the five games that she wasn't there. Played well, did well, but it was just understood, like, you can be Michael Jordan. You can dunk. You can do whatever. <laughs> You're not staying here. <laughs> when Courtney Vandersloot comes back on that day, <laughs> you are released. out of here. So yeah. for me, it's like you get into these opportunities and you want to try so hard and do so well that it's just like it it's doesn't matter. Real. And a lot, yeah. and that's how a lot of my opportunities went. Um, I cannot. Uh, I've had times where when I was in New York with Bill Lambier, he told me I made the team. And then two days later, my agent was like, ah, yeah, pack your stuff, you uh, Bill, you know? That's crazy. So for me, like, I just got to a point where I, even till this day, I get training camp contracts. Like, this year, I was offered by Indiana. And I said, no, like, I'm not here to work hard. I'm not here <laughs> to try to be on your team. And like Koi said, sometimes it's already written. 
Like some of the players that are playing and, you know, what is for them is for them. I really believe that. So I'm not here to disrespect anybody. Y'all made it. Y'all got it. But if they really said, let's line it up, (laughs) this girl wouldn't beat me. And I'm not going to your training camp because I will drive off a cliff if this girl (laughs) is getting picked over me. And you're uncomfortable. (laughs) You're a cancer. So my thing is, is like, I respect all the women that make it. And it's so hard and it's so difficult. But if you come undrafted like me, like I went right into the WNBA being undrafted free agent right out of San Diego State. I got picked up with the San Antonio Silver Stars, played with them for a month. But even then, you are replacing Danielle Robinson. She's injured. She can't come back. We have a couple games left, so you get to play. All my opportunities have been like that. Hey, Chelsea, here in Atlanta, we'd like to sign you for 10 days because this girl's hurt. When she comes back, I'm leaving. So it doesn't really matter, like... It's a waste of time. Exactly. And then you sometimes you get stuck in between, like, dang, if I play really hard or if I do everything that they ask me to do. Like, yeah. I went to certain teams, and they're like, your job is to get her the ball, her the ball. So I'm in there, like, <laughs> you know, doing whatever they tell me to do. And it still is just not enough. Yeah. So, you know, it goes down to some of the stuff that Sequoia is saying, like roster spots and, and all that stuff is true. Like, it's the hardest league in the world to get in by far. Definitely. You know, 12 teams, 11 to 12 players per team, um, just trying to make it of the hundreds and thousands and millions of girls that are trying to play basketball. So, you know, that goes into it, too. But it, it's, it's just hard. Like, I, I commend the people that are willing to still chase it. And, you know, are still, you know, I, I, like, I want to shout out my friend, Rebecca Gardner. Um, she's my age. She just turned 32. Uh, she's a rookie this year with Chicago Sky. She's playing awesome. She's played overseas, got it out the mud, playing in EuroLeague, doing her thing. Finally got an opportunity, got her opportunity because overseas she was playing in Spain and she was matching up against Kalia Copper, who is one of the premier guards of the Chicago Sky. The coach saw her playing against her consistently, watched her one game, like, oh, dang, she all right. Okay, watched her two games, oh, dang, she really all right. Okay, I'm going to sign her. But, you know, that took 10 years overseas for somebody to just give her a chance, and now she's getting her opportunity, and she's absolutely killing it. She's about to be in the Guinness Book of World Records for oldest WBA <laughs> rookie there ever was, and she's 32. No, yeah, so, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. So it's just like, it's just difficult. And and like I said, I commend all the ladies that do it and all the people that try to do it. But for me, I got to a point where it's just like, it wasn't worth it to me to keep chasing it. Like I'm getting this money overseas. I'm going to match up with these girls overseas. We're not in the WNBA. So you're about to get all you can handle in Israel. And I have the respect of my peers and and, and that's enough for me. And the fact that I was able to touch the WNBA, I just feel blessed and fortunate because you do the numbers. It's, 0.176 0.176 girls who ever lived that have the opportunity to even put on a jersey. <laughs> that ever lived. So I still did it. I did good, you know. Yeah. But it just it wasn't meant for me to stick, and and, and that's okay, you know. Yeah. That works. You get yeah, you get to a point where you know you just kind of swallow, try to swallow it like that that thought. I mean, it's just what you dream about doing. Like it's the best league in the world. Like the best players in our profession play there. So that's what I want to do. Especially if you're a competition junkie, like I need to test it out. I need to see if I'm like that. You know, everybody <laughs> always calling me to go. Like, let's see. Vegas, well, let's see. Like, and so I have that mentality too. Like Chelsea, oh, well, we can line it up. Like when we're overseas, I'm so happy. Like, cause they ain't, ain't no, no ain't nothing about to save you right now. You know, and I'm not, you know, saying that it's just 
but I already, I just know like my demeanor on the court and the pride that I bring, like that'll, that'll get me there, you know, and we'll worry about the skill stuff later. You know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's going to happen. So, I mean, I, I've, it was a harder bullet, I think for me to swallow than Chelsea. Um, because at times I was just really in at times it wasn't like told to her like it was told to her like you're coming for this specific reason for me it was always up in the air like dang you really good like you be hooping like and it'll be just like all right one day I'm waking up with my agent from text messages like yeah call me when you get up and I'm like oh shit here we go Mm -hmm. or I'll be there for (laughs) I don't know Four months, or not four months, two months, half of the season, and it's like, oh, you know, the team wanted to, they kind of want to go in a different direction. I'm like. You better finish the year. Yeah, like, what What are they on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so. And then I spent a lot of time out of the league where I was kind of over it, but everybody was like, friends, family, my agent, just like, you got to try again. Like, just do it. Like, just do it. And I'm like, no, nah, I want to do it. I keep doing the same thing. And it's just like, oh, you're almost good enough to stay the entire season or you're the last cut on the roster or whatever the case may be. Um, we're buying out such and such contract. I'm like, what does that have to do with me? Pick somebody <laughs> else. Pick somebody, pick somebody else. else. You know what I'm saying? Which is because I'm, I'm even like when I get there, like I know I want to play and compete, but – I just have even a lot of fun in San Antonio when I made that team. I made the most of that because I'm like, I'm going to be the best cheerleader y'all ever seen, right? I'm over here doing push-ups and all kinds of stuff on the bench, just having a blast. And we were awful that year. But, you know, even everybody at home would text like, I see y'all over there just turned up on the bench. Like, yeah, we lost by 30. But it didn't matter. Everybody's watching us, you know, kind of do our thing and – and it, it, it's just a great time, I think. Like, even Chelsea can probably say, like, when you're out there playing, like, it's like, damn, I want to be out there, but you're watching it. You got the best seats. I got the best Definitely. seats in the house to watch CP. I got the best seats to watch Elena. And it's like, you get to see some of the stuff you just, you you kind of, it sucks, but at the same time, it's like, if you could do it every day, it's like, I, I'm picking that every day. Then flying 10 miles, <laughs> 10,000 miles across the country and practicing mm-hmm. once Every, I don't know, having a real practice once every week, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, just the way that things are done, the culture and stuff is different. Cool. So it's like, it's I'm going to do that before, but it still doesn't work out that way. So they just fine. expect you to be good and yeah. do your own practice. Come, for the to, most come part. to the game and win. Like, and go home. y'all can figure out what practice is going to be like. And I'll just be, that's one of the hardest things for me overseas, like practicing. I just be like, these practices is wasting my time. Like, I could literally just be getting fat and eating and living my life and come here and playing the game sometimes. And it's just like, <laughs> I can't take good. it because I'm like, why did I have to wake up for this? Like, I love let's it. just meet to the game. See, and that's where me and Sequoia are different. She loves Sequoia being is, able to chill. I well, she gets kickbacks and stuff. Wanna, we know yeah. all her illegal activities. I am she here to get a couple shots up, keep the handle tight, and I'll see you at the game. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Now, a little uh, controversy. Uh, do you think it's fair that they're comparing like LeBron's salary to the WNBA salary? Like they're two different entities. I understand it's the same thing, but what does that have to do with the male athletes? Like, is that fair to them? I'll answer this. Um, I think that you know, naturally, just being in sports and just with anything, there's always going to be comparisons. 
I think what people don't understand always too, when the women are screaming, like, you know, we deserve more money and stuff like that. There's a lot of like stuff that goes into it. Like the main thing is being like the revenue shares. Like for example, in the NBA, men get 50% of the revenue. Like okay. in the WNBA, the women get 20%. So like, that, you know, that's a good argument. That right there is just yeah. saying equality. Can we get 50% of the revenue? Even if we don't make as much revenue, like that would boost our salary up in general. Um, I think it's hard as a basketball player when you see like our best of the best, you know, Brianna Stewart, you know, and them basically being downplayed and disrespected. And if I was them, I would feel a way too if, you know, the 15th guy on the NBA bench is making 750000 when here I am, the best the world has to offer. Like Olympic gold medalist, best there absolutely is. And I'm basically scratching the surface of 220000 because that's a max contract. Yeah, it's not cool. Like you can literally get a job, go to college and get a exactly. good job and make that kind of money. Yes. Not everybody does, so, but it's definitely very so, much under. So underpaid. I think that's the difficulty, um, just seeing how much money, you know, some of these guys are able to get. And LeBron deserves all the money. Kobe deserves all the money. Like those, those are the premier players. So we're just saying, why aren't our premier players, you know, getting a little piece of the pie as well? And then it goes down into obviously the NBA has way more revenue and marketing and stuff. So that kind of stuff goes without saying. Um, but I don't think the WNBA has done a good job of, you know, giving our women opportunities to make more money and marketing the league and just little stuff that I noticed just as not even a player, but, you know, Kalia Copper was the finals MVP of the Chicago Sky last season and her jersey wasn't available. So it's like you're leaving money on the table. Like, you, you could maybe get some more money if you would just have the jerseys ready when somebody, you know. <laughs> when somebody so, I, so I look at little stuff like that. I don't think that any WNBA player, if you really talk to them and think about it, is saying, hey, we need to be paid equal to LeBron. We're just using it as an example of how the NBA is able to use their platform, constantly push more revenue and money into their players to up their salary. And the WNBA is just basically, you know, still trying to figure it out. And that's what I feel like is the biggest thing. And am I ignorant for thinking that one of the reasons why the WNBA salaries and, you know, revenue is so low is because women don't really support the WNBA? You want to answer this or you want me to? You're wrong. Yeah. That's why. You're wrong. We'll say, (laughs) I'll just say that. I I don't think that, you know, women don't support. I think your thought of that part is 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 incorrect like there are definitely ways to improve the support you know and the idea of um i think when you look and it's more of a comparison right you look into the stands of the nba games you know 70 percent of the fans are going to be males right um but you look into the wnba stands that's not the case and i think maybe that's what you're thinking about. But, you know, I think when it comes down to women supporting women, like we're going to be the biggest supporters, right? But we're not always shown in that light, you know, because it's not, and it's just sports in general because soccer players, they support the WNBA, softball, volleyball, you know, and those are female dominated sports, you know? And so our sport being a male dominated sport, you're going to see, a lot of males because it's just basketball, yeah. you know what I mean? And, you know, a lot of males are have the opportunity to share that with their daughters, 
you know, or, or whatever the situation can be. And, you know, just uh, not all women even like sports, you know, at least to some capacity you can get a male sports fan who likes baseball to come to a, a basketball game because it's just a sport, mm-hmm. you know, but sometimes women, they don't, they're like not into yeah. sports at all. So it's like, I'm not trying to even watch any sports. doesn't matter. So that I think is a different perspective, but we can all, I think we can all contribute to just the sports support factor just overall in general to support the WBA. Definitely. As far as the sport. Because like I say, I was one of those, like, you know, looking back at like high school, we go to a game and you guys would put up 50 and it's like, like, what do we want to go watch like women play sports for? And then like when you get onto the college level, you know, UConn was destroying everybody, Tennessee, now South Carolina. So it's always, for me, it's always been like that. Uh, you know, it's not as entertaining because you, like it's so uneven, the playing field, like in, in those lower levels that there's always just going to be people dominating. And then I started going to an Aces game and I was like, damn, like they really, they really can go. Like if you take out like obviously male, female aspect, like it's a solid game of basketball. So I definitely like changed my mindset and I just think more people need to experience it. Cause I think once you go to those games, they're fun, they're entertaining. And then I got to see Candace Parker the first time. So that was great. <laughs> I think y'all, I think for a lot of guys, you know, they always know they, they homegirl who's in the, in the neighborhood that can go, you know what I mean? And they support her, but yeah. they think she's the exception to the rule, you know, and it's becoming less of an exception and more of the norm. Like we just good play, you know what I mean? So I've know that I've been looked at as like, a lot of the times when I'm hooping with the guys out here, like she can hold her own, you know what I'm saying? So that, though, though, that was just the first step of getting them to see, open your eyes, come to watch us play each other at the same time. So we, you know, even in some of these atmospheres like pro-ams and things like that, we got a lot of guys like just wanting to watch us hoop. And as of late, you know, we've been kind of trying to help establish that, like, you know, a lot of our friends are like, when y'all play, like, we want to come watch y'all play. And then when the Aces first came, I was pretty, pretty present in helping to develop the the, the practice team. Yeah. You know, if I can tell you, honestly, it was 80% my friends. I'm like, y'all come help us practice. Yeah, I saw P and stuff. In <laughs> you know the, what I mean? Come, and they kind of stuck around even when I wasn't there. So, you know, it was like, let's let's not just be the exception. Like it's, it's a normal thing. That and like, honestly, when we would play at West and it was like, people would be like, I, it's not that I didn't want to guard you because like you were a girl. I didn't want to get embarrassed because <laughs> I knew I couldn't guard you. So it was like, let me go find fat Mark. Or somebody else. <laughs> that's my boy though. But that's, that's really what not it was. Cause, uh, but yeah, man, I was almost down to the last question. Just more about like the whole Brittany Griner situation. Do you think that's going to have an effect on people go- being safe going overseas to other countries? I mean, Pretty sure Russia is out of the question for anybody right now, I would think. But, like, do you think that's going to have a negative effect on the game and lose you guys some money? Um, I don't think that is going to have a negative effect. Um, my agent um, kind of took a poll amongst his players just about gauging people's interest to play in Russia. And unless you're an American, really, with a Russian passport, um, nobody's really playing in Russia um, this season. So that's yeah. definitely out, I think, too, just kind of to stand in solidarity with Brittany uh, for kind of what she's facing. Um, but it hasn't really changed anything besides the market. I mean, yeah. Russia is a premier league in women's basketball overseas. You know, Brittany was there for seven seasons because she's making a million dollars every single year. So it's like that's why she was there in the first place. But, you know, now those players that played in Russia are taking jobs in other countries. Like, okay, now, you know, all the players that were playing for ECAT, Courtney Vandersloot, Quigley, all of them are 
now are in Turkey and hungry. They're taking other people's jobs because boost their league. Yeah, so. because the Russian league is kind of a no go. So it's definitely changed uh, the market and kind of just job availability for certain players because now some teams that you know maybe wouldn't have been able to touch you know those caliber players in the past because most of the elite 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 WNBA players all played in Russia. That's Sue, that's Diana, that's Candace, that's Brittany. Like, our elite players were playing there. So, you know, now those players are going to go play somewhere else. And that's kind of the shift that we're seeing, just them, you know, kind of dispersing to these other countries. Um, but just as far as the Brittany situation goes, like, um, it was a mistake. I mean, most people understand the ramifications of, you know, when you're in somebody else's country, like, there's just very little room for error. And, and I feel so bad for her because I know who she is as a person. And, you know, it's basically them just using her as a political pawn because you you can chart, you know, in the last several months, Americans are people that have passed through Russia and have had drug paraphernalia (laughs) and they charge them 250 rubles or whatever the hell they currency (laughs) is over there. And then they send them home. But because she's Brittany, you know, that's why she's kind of in this situation They want to make an example out of her. They want to use her for, you know, a prisoner swap or whatever. And um, it's just super unfortunate. But I don't really think it's had a super effect on overseas. We all are just trying to get Brittany home as quick as possible. Uh, We're not going to play in Russia, especially because they're, you know, we're in war, basically. Like, and even the Ukrainian league, they have a great Euro Cup team called Promethi. Yeah. Um, that team's done now and they had WNBA players on that team this year so now those players are taking jobs somewhere else so it's just the Russian and the Ukrainian league are done those players have dispersed and everybody's just praying and hoping Brittany gets home and things can kind of go back to normal I think that you know it's going to probably maybe in the future you know um, this year I don't think it's going to affect the market um, as far as like I agree with Chelsea said jobs, but you know, me and maybe it's because that time is kind of winding down for me. I'm like, I don't know that I would want to go play there. Mm -hmm. Like the way that 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 treatment or in the vicinity, you know, and I think it's going to make a lot of players think like that wasn't cool. You know what I mean? Just as far as governmentally, like it could have been any one of us, like just because, you know, you guys are, trying to prove a point or whatever. And, it, and it's like from the, the standpoint of standing in solidarity, like we're all praying for her and wanting her to, to just come home because it's enough. You know, you guys got what you wanted to accomplish, I feel like. But from a player aspect, it's just like um, mistakes are made and no, no one is above the law or anyone's law where you are. But there's an op- there is a appropriate there's a, there's a scale of what's a deemed appropriate and what's not and we just feel like as a player like I don't know if their league their women's league is going to survive it because I don't know that in in that anybody would with the the way that Brittany um that people feel about her the way that the person that she is that they'll get over it like yeah, wanting sure to go and play there. there I mean yeah and I, I feel like people you know players in the league are even willing to, in in other situations, not overlook their livelihood, but are willing to pass up their livelihood in that area just because of how they feel about Brittany Definitely. as a person. So it's like, 
I don't know if they're ever that league will bounce back. It, it's going to be jobs, and maybe yes, yeah, some players will take those jobs, but it's not going to be the caliber of players that players. used to used play to there. Have. They may not ever be the Premier League overseas again. Definitely. And all right, um, this is the last question. You guys both mentioned you were on the tail ends of your career. I know you guys started an AAU basketball team. You guys are coaching. So what are your plans professionally once it's all said and done? Like, what do you want to do? Do you guys want to go into coaching full time? Or so what are those plans? So we didn't start it together. We just coach on it together. Okay. okay, we coach with the mob. Um, and Aaron Thorne and Julius, they're our directors. And they kind of just brought us on staff. Um, and I kind of advise from a certain aspect, just being still kind of playing, but being with them, um, is, it's a blessing for me. Like, I love the youth. I love being able to be around and affect these young women's, their, their young lives and kind of mold and help mold them into kind of understanding a way to go and be active in the community, good people. You know what I mean? Like that's the, the main goal. Uh, for me, so I, I most probably 100% will go into coaching. You know, I've had, you know, some people kind of tell me, like, you're going to be great at it. You know, you should do it. I don't know if I'm going to go to the college level right away just because of it's a lot. It's just very time-consuming, travel, all of that stuff. So I'm just like, uh, you're I'm going probably going to UNLV. Yeah, you're going to be there. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, what I'm going to do and how and which way, but coaching for sure. I love the player development side. I love the character building and, and the, the mentoring part is like huge for me. So I, I'll probably get into coaching. Chelsea and I work in another business together. We know we do, we deal in like kind of financial services with the world financial group. So we got a lot of stuff that we do together just because we're so close and in the same circle. So I'll probably do that for a long time as well because I'm finding a passion for coaching in, in that area as well, um, just my team and, and people I'm around. So, Good answer. For a, lot yeah, a lot of coaching. Yeah, a lot of coaching. Well, for me, I actually got into coaching because of Sequoia. Like I said, just being able to kind of see how she's able to give back to the community. And that's something that I'm always big on. I never really truly had a desire to coach, although – I have been offered coaching jobs already, especially from my from my school. San Diego State wanted me to come back when I retire. Um, but for me, I, I have a passion for the girls from Las Vegas. So whatever I can do to help them succeed and accomplish their dreams, I'm willing to do that. And that's kind of why I'm with the mob right now. Um, as far as after basketball, like... I can't imagine life without basketball, but I just don't want to play and I don't want to coach. So, <laughs> so on that note, I um, I hope to I have a master's in business, and when I got it, I got it with um, you know basketball operations in mind, general management in mind. So I would love to stay in basketball, but I want office. to cross over to the front office. Um, I've had some stuff in the works, kind of going with the aces. Um, you know, I've played for a couple WNBA teams, so I still have those connections, and maybe I'll end up in their office. But ultimately, just trying to get to the NBA, uh, trying to be the first black female general manager would be a dream of mine. And I really just like that side of things, you know, putting a roster together. Here's our salary cap. What? How can I make the pieces work? You know, it's still very heavily basketball. But I don't have to, you know, travel, recruit, and I don't have to play. And you're gonna so. have to do those, hey, this, those ten day contracts that you hate. Yeah, I know. But I'm gonna be more honest <laughs> no. in mind. Like, come on, ten days, do your <laughs> best. We might keep you. 
again, she's gonna so. lie. But all right, guys, that's our show. I appreciate you guys both for coming on. Thanks for uh, having us. It was dope. Yeah, thanks. Thank Chris. you. Appreciate it. Highly recommended. Come by the cereal by. killers and get yes. some cereal and the cinnamon kitchen. toast crunch for the win. And raisin bran. No, not raisin bran. Crunch. Right. Raisin bran crunch. crunch. <laughs> all right, y'all. See y'all next week.